Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard Creative Team. We're We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer our listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. So our guests today are a mother and daughter duo, Brooke and Layla Gianetti. We spoke to Nick and Steve last week about architecture, 3D modeling, and the big Gianetti move to Tennessee. And today, we're going to catch up with Brooke and Layla about all the exciting plans they have in store for Patina Meadow. And so, Brooke and Layla, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's an honor having us. Honor to be here. Yeah, so Brooke, um, I think many of our listeners will probably remember, probably know you by your blog, Velvet and Linen. You had an, like a cult following, and I remember you cataloging the designs of Patina Farm. Of course, now you have four books. I guess maybe three of them are about Patina Farm. Would you? But you know, we asked Steve this last week. Why, in God's name, you left that slice of heaven? <laughs> but yes, we maybe you can ask that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you can share in your own words, sort of why um, this move to Tennessee felt like the right one. Oh gosh. Well, you know, there was, it was um, not a decision. It was a decision we didn't make in haste. It was something we thought a lot about. We loved building Patina Farm. We loved living there, but we felt like there was um, an evolution in our life that had a life of its own. You know, we had been visiting Tennessee because of a project Steve was doing, and there were things that we knew that we could do if we moved here um, that we couldn't do in at Patina Farm. Uh, we were really getting uh, involved in doing um, a lot of the garden tours and things like that. And Layla was actually, um, not, when she moved back during the pandemic, she was really getting involved in that as well. But because of kind of rules and regulations in where we lived in, um, Ojai, as well as Ojai itself, we really couldn't have events at Patina Farm. And and we really had the desire to not just share it um, online, but to really connect with people in a, you know, in, in the real world. Uh, so that was something that we couldn't do at Patina Farm. And also just the idea of trying something different. You know, uh, I lived in California my entire life. And the idea of moving someplace that had had seasons and, you know, and being able to have more land and, and then of course, you know, being able to have more land to do things and to have more events here was, uh, was mostly the draw and, and Leapers Fork is a super special place and the community is incredible. So, so it was also, um, just being drawn to something that seemed really, really cool. That's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. You were drawn some to something, not that away from Patina Farm. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it was a pretty magical place. We were very fortunate that when we sold Patina Farm, we were able to live there for another six months. So, you know, knowing that we were then going to leave. So, which made it even more special. Like every day was like, you'd we'd watch the uh, sunrise and the beautiful pink moment sunsets that we have. So you know, really kind of taking that time to, really enjoy those moments because I think it's just our nature. It's human nature to kind of take things for granted after a while, no matter how beautiful things are, no matter how wonderful things are, they just kind of get to be part of your every day. Mm-hmm. So um, those six months were really special. Layla, were you um, on board from the beginning to moving to Tennessee or is that something that took some getting used to? <laughs> Well, it is something that they had been talking about for a while. They actually had potentially thought about moving out here after I graduated high school, which was in about 2018, 2019. And I loved coming to visit here. I had come with them a couple times when they came out for jobs, but I was, it took a second to get used to because it was such a drastic change. But then when I saw the land and I started coming out here more and meeting the people and 
just sort of imagining what life could be like out here and getting excited for all the things we would be able to do with the community and welcoming people to the farm. That's when I started to get really excited. And now that we're actively doing so much here, we have our bloomery flower garden going and the shed is going up and all of these exciting things are happening. It feels like everything is finally like coming to fruition, which is a really exciting, exciting thing to, to feel. We decided to call our event space and our pottery space, the shed, because we have a barn, which is where our animals are and not everything could be called a barn. And it was also <laughs> the pottery was in there and we didn't want it to be called pottery in the barn. But, um, anyway, so that was a, a whole thing. So we we're, we're calling it the shed, which uh, we kind of love because it's, you know, this is a very, it's, it's a beautiful place, but we also want it to feel very relaxed and welcoming. And, uh, and so we thought the shed was a good name for the space. Taryn and Liz, I'm going to give you a second to jump yeah. in because I've, the, the shed is, is larger than the home that you're living in, right? It is. Like the square footage. Yes. Yeah. So the shed is, is probably three times as big as the house we live in right now, or definitely at least two and a half times bigger. You know, it's funny when, uh, when we originally purchased this land, we were going to renovate the 1850s log house. Did Steve talk about this? Yeah. The renovation of the 1850s log house. But we can uh, cover it again. Okay. So yeah, so we, we were just going to renovate it, live in it until we built our other house and, and you know, all that. So the other house was going to be kind of around 4,500 square feet and, you know, I have all the kind of bells and whistles. But once we moved into this lovely little 1400 log house, I said to Steve, you know, as much as I think you are the most amazing architect, you are never going to do anything that is as charming as this wonky, you know, cause I love wonk. I love, you know, quirk, wonk, everything like that. I just love it. And so, you know, so the walls aren't, none, no walls are straight, you know, so I, I just kind of loved it and it works for us. So, so yeah, so we decided what we would do is rather than building a big house is we can put everything else in the shed. And that way also when our, you know, all of our children are older. So, so when they come and visit, they don't have to be in the house with us. They can do whatever they want and, you know, not worry about waking us up because we uh we have farmers uh hours you know we're in bed by eight up by four you know nobody likes that <laughs> no no 20 year old wants to you know live in a house where they have to go to bed <laughs> right exactly even she's out of the house but that's that's actually my schedule as well <laughs> yeah we, we've now got, gotten her on that schedule as well but, well, so yeah. this is like evening for you right now, then. Uh, yeah. This is like end of your day. Straight to bed. Yes. <laughs> snacks, and then there'll be a dog walk, and then there, then there's bed. Yes. So, Layla, okay, we did hear a little bit about your living setup, but maybe you could show. We we only got like a little tiny, offhanded comment, but it sounds very cool. It's Where awesome. Do you live? So I live in an airstream. Um, right now, it is parked by our creek behind the shed and I absolutely love it. The plan originally was to live in the Airstream until the shed was done because there's two apartments in the shed and there's like a big one on the second floor that was gonna be mine. And as I've lived in the Airstream for six oh, over six months now, I've just absolutely fallen in love with it. I feel like I'm just camping all the time, which is one of my favorite things to do. So I wake up and it's like the perfect space. I don't love to clean. So it's like <laughs> very easy to clean. I can knock it all out in like a little circuit. And it's really charming. We're gonna establish a little garden in the front and then in the back. And then I'll, we'll be doing more flowers on the other side of the shed as well, where we have the bloomery, but then we're doing more by my place as well. So it's becoming sort of, instead of being a temporary thing, it's becoming this permanent fixture of Patina Meadow, which is, is really cool. And I'm, I'm ecstatic about it. Now, okay, is the Airstream like just your, run-of-the-mill airstream or i imagined it's like a pimped you know, out version yeah <laughs> that wasn't the wording i was going to use but that works <laughs> it is not a pimped out version i don't remember what year it, it, i mean it's, it's we didn't customize nice. it well i i think i think it um you know it's so funny because when we saw it was like we're like yes that's that's the perfect airstream for us because it's all neutrals they um the people we bought it from must have loved neutrals too so it's all kind of kind of neutral creams and and um 
light browns and all of that. So, so Layla could add her, you know, accent colors, but it's kind of like the way our family always has kind of designed things. So it was already done that way. I think it's like a 2017. So it isn't one of those kind of old retro ones that needed to be refurbished. It's, and I don't think these people used it very often. So it was in pretty decent shape. So, but yeah, so it's, it's a pretty little space and it's almost all windows. So you really feel this connection. We have this lovely Creek that um, runs in front of our property and Layla's Airstream is right there. And so she, she's right on the stream. It's really beautiful. It's awesome. I was doing a little bit of research on your Instagram page and I just love all of the videos. I mean, if, if people go and look up your page and this is more the velvet and linen one versus the patina home and garden one. But, um, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you're, you're, it's truly so charming. Like all of your animals, the little, you know, Creek, I was going to say like babbling brook, but, um, <laughs> it is. No, it's Brooks babbling brook. Right. <laughs> yes. So, you know, how did the, um, all of the video content kind of come, you know, start happening and, um, what, a, I mean, what a beautiful way to share that with people that can't, maybe come visit. Well, first of all, thank you very much. (laughs) That's very sweet. We're really glad that people enjoy it. Um, She started her Instagram when I was, she had been blogging for a while, but started her Instagram when I was in high school. And I went to college and she was doing her own thing, doing videos, photos, my dad. And then I came home from college during the pandemic and didn't really have anything to do. She upped our game. So that's sweet. Um, (laughs) So I started taking videos of my mom and taking videos of the animals just to sort of have like a motivation to sort of get out and do something and keep life going. So I started doing that and started sort of getting a, a big passion for it and sharing it with people. That is what I love the most about it is that we had so many people, especially during those years that were saying that it was their way to connect with the outside and connect with beautiful nature and animals and thinking about like they were going to do something on a smaller scale in their home or on like do a garden on their up apartment balcony and things like that. So that was a really cool, really cool thing that started to happen was people really seemed to enjoy it and we wanted to share more. I think uh, Layla is a great storyteller. You know, she was able to, she's she's great at editing. She has this kind of flow that she does on, on our videos and she's, she's right. I think um, the pandemic was such a, a stressful thing for us all and people found a calmness to our routine. I found a calmness to, uh, to my to the routine of uh, taking care of the animals in the morning and in the afternoon. And they, um, Layla was able to tell that in the videos and, and really people were connecting to that. And which was really a nice thing to be able to share it with people and, and know that it was uh, giving them some calm during that time. Even now, I just watched another morning routine where you, you know, fed the chickens and the sheep and, and, you know, putting balm on the donkeys. And yeah. I was so calm and relaxed. I'm, I'm bookmarking it. Oh, that's really nice. That's yeah, very sweet. They're they're incredibly soothing. The animals are amazing, and then they share that kind of calm energy with with us. I think if you're the more you're open to it, you know, the more they'll kind of share with you. I think most of the animals we have are um, are prey you know, naturally they're preyed upon. So they pick up on people, on everybody's energy really quickly because they have to in order to survive. But what it does is it teaches you, like you'll see how they mirror you, right? So if you're stressed, you won't be able to get next to a sheep, you know? So it teaches you to kind of breathe in and decompress and and then you notice that they'll come towards you and you can really it's like biofeedback right isn't that how you kind of have biofeedback um so they're they're mirroring you and so you can actually calm yourself and they through that action between them don't you find that's the same yeah i think they are a great way to just pull you out of your own head because they don't speak obviously so it's not you're going out there and there's no expectation 
that they have of you. It's like you give them what you, you have and they give you what they have. And it's this beautiful relationship, especially when you're caring for your own animals. Like they depend upon you in such a way and you that relationship becomes almost like mother and child. It's you really become very much connected in a way that is really quite interesting, I think. And it's so beautiful. And to have that here and to be able to share that and for other people to feel that with our animals, like we get people who like are like comment and like the number one thing we got when we moved was like, are you bringing the animals with you? And it's like, yes, yes, we are. And people were really excited. And like when people have the idea of like coming to visit, they really want to meet the animals. And so it's really sweet to have that connection with other people as well, because they are they're the best animals. They're really great. <laughs> it occurred to me, could you give everyone sort of the backstory of the animals? Because we heard from Steve and Nick that, you know, you had this place in Santa Monica, you decided to build a vegetable garden yes. that turned into a chicken coop. So how did like the sheeps and the cows and the um, goats and everything come Yeah, I, I've said before that um, chicken are the gateway animals. <laughs> it's like the gateway drug, the gateway animal, for sure. You know, you, you're like, oh my God, these are amazing. What else can we get? I need some more. I need them bigger. <laughs> I, you know, when we moved um, to Patina Farm and I looked out at the land, it was so beautiful, but it was so quiet. And I talked about it in Patina Living, the uh, our third book, just about um, when we had the fire, there was a big fire and we had to evacuate and there were, um, we had to take all the animals. And for a minute, while the animals were all in, in the trailers and in the back of my station wagon, we walked around the land and it was so quiet, but it was that, that and it wasn't alive anymore. The, you know, there was something that the land spoke to me and said, you know, it needs to be enjoyed by others. And so um, at first, I we went to the Ventura County Fair and we met these uh, adorable Sicilian donkeys. And I said to Steve, we're supposed to have donkeys. We need donkeys. And Steve looks at me, he goes, what are we going to do with donkeys? And he says that to me every time we get a new, I say we need a new animal. He says, what are we going to do with baby doll sheep, you know, or whatever? And I said, we're just going to love them and we're going to care for them. And they're going to help us care for the land and, um, and give back to it. And that's what we're going to do. You know, they're going to become a part of our family. So, so that's how it all started. So then we got the donkeys and, and they, um, you know, we'd look out and they would roam the land and they would mow everything. And, and then when we started getting, then we got goats and they're hysterical. They're like, um, they're like teenage boys. Uh, they're, they're mischievous and they're they're just hysterical they're they're like little clowns but the donkeys then you know they patrol the land and they kept our our um, goats safe you know and and the donkeys the goats eat brush but the sheep eat kind of the lower stuff so we got some baby doll sheep you know so everybody kind of does something on the land and then um you know we started looking into biodynamic farming and all of that because we knew that um you know i have a lot of aches and pains i'm uh gluten-free i'm all the stuff because you know i had leaky gut and like everybody else in the world but um but what i started to do when i started to do research it uh, i came to realize that a lot of it is caused by some uh, by the things that they're putting on our um you know the pesticides and all of these things and i didn't want i wanted to make sure we didn't have to do any of that on our land it's the only thing i could could control was our land and um so we started looking into biodynamic farming and then the animals became part of that of how to care for the land and, and enrich the soil and make stronger plants so that we wouldn't have to use pesticides because um for the most part, pests only hurt plants that are not healthy. And if you can give the plants healthy soil, it becomes a healthy plant and it cannot fight against pests and things. Kind of like us, you know, when we are healthy, we can fight off illnesses. It's only when we're sick and we have compromised immune systems that we aren't able to. So anyway, it's a long story uh, for a short question um, of how all the animals came into our life and are now part of our whole <laughs> ecosystem and our family. Well, the biodynamic part to this, your meadow is so important. Um, you speak to it a lot on your um, on your blog and web page. So I didn't know if you would give everyone just a quick 
what it is? Because I don't think a lot of people know. Layla. <laughs> Absolutely. So biodynamics was started by a man named Rudolf Steiner in the 1920s. Um, and he was approached, he was a he was a very interesting man, sort of like a spiritual leader and teacher and scientist, very interesting guy. But these uh, group of farmers came to him and said that they had been seeing, is seeing issues with crop yield, like decreasing nutrients within their crops and things of that nature ever since the advent of industrial agriculture. So the invention of pesticides and herbicides and such. So he sort of looked back on ancient wisdom of farming, of using the lunar calendar to farm, of really focusing on soil health and doing crop rotation and cover cropping. Um, and the whole idea of biodynamics is looking at the farm as at the farm as one organism where everything is intertwined and everything is linked and it's all it's one organism within the bigger organism that is the entire world. So the animals have a very important role to play in that because they're a huge part of increasing our the fertility of the soil through their manure. They keep the grass down. We use their manure in our um, garden and we are really focused on improving that soil health. So another aspect of biodynamics is biodynamic preparations, which instead of using artificial um, nitrogen fertilizers, we use manure and different medicinal herbs and things like that that are either buried in the ground for a season or hung um, in a tree for a season and different things like that. So you get this sort of beautiful, well, I think it's beautiful, this beautiful relationship that is formed between the cosmos and the earth through that burying or that hanging that you're able to sort of get these forces and apply them to your garden. So it's looking at, at farming rather than just what you're getting, what you can see and really integrating what is all the energies and the forces that we can't see, but we know are happening, like how the moon moves the tide. The moon is also moving the sugars within plants, the liquid sugars and all of that stuff. So really just viewing all of us as interconnected. It's that's really the whole premise of it. And it's like, I call it like, it's like organic farming on steroids, basically. <laughs> but not using steroids. But not using any steroids. Was it hard to, was it hard to like adjust your sort of farming and farming practices moving to Tennessee? I mean, it's a totally different, you know, climate and, and, you know, plant yes. life and all of that. It has been, so, so this is our first season doing anything. So we will get back to you on how different it is, but we've definitely noticed, you know, different cool. soil. So Tennessee soil is like clay and rock. So we have, to, we had to build up our soils so that we weren't just planting in straight clay. I have to water a lot less because we get rain here, but the, because of the clay, the soil also retains a lot of moisture getting late freezes it's like okay can't plant that or i planted something and it just died and you're like oh that's because it got really cold okay i have to cover my plants like different things like that is definitely just like learning as i go has been like just sort of going with the flow and just learning all the lessons that the land has to give and it's really exciting for me because there's a lot of things that i can plant here that i couldn't necessarily plant in california because it got too hot or it didn't like the, there wasn't not enough, not enough freeze or different things like that so we're really excited about all the different opportunities of things that we can do out here it's it's really it's like a whole new opportunity has just sort of opened up right in front of our eyes and i'm stoked about it <laughs> there's you know uh, gardening is not an exact science no. it is all uh trial and error you know and mm -hmm. and no matter where you are it's always like that you know we had so many microclimates in in ojai you know we never knew what was going to work you know some things did and some things didn't i think the same thing is going to happen here you know and every year you try different things and of course you know you're in a delicate dance with mother nature and she she likes to wing it <laughs> Keep us all on our <laughs> Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I want to go back to your bloomery because I just 
I think again you have plans on your on your blog, but um, just talk people through kind of the design and the why behind it, because of course now I I need to see this. So, <laughs> Bloomery is our cut flower garden that we've planted right in front of the cabin. Uh, we knew when we got here that we wanted to work the land. I think that's like one of the coolest things about having this much land is being able to do really cool stuff with it. But we didn't know what we wanted to grow. So when we first thought about doing the bloomery, it was going to be mostly veggies and medicinal herbs. Then as we started talking more, we were thinking, how cool would it be to do a cut flower garden? So then it turned into that. And now it's half cut flowers, half herbs and veggies, because I think growing your own food is just the most incredible thing. I love it. So we have that out there. We have some blueberry bushes and raspberries and blackberries as well growing in there. And we have two greenhouses that we will also be using during the winter months to try and get a head start on spring planting. And we also are building a little building in between the greenhouses that is going to be our drying room for dried flowers, to dry herbs and different things like that. And that sits right in front front of the cabin and also in front of the shed that we are building, which will have the pottery studio. It will have sort of like a classroom space that we'll have for different classes that we're going to do here on biodynamics, on just like the whole gamut of things, floral, arranging. floral arrangements. Basically, like our goal is when people come and visit here, they feel more closely connected to nature and the abundance it provides. So everything we're doing is through that lens because that is what has really motivated us through this whole move and through the last few years. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think we also decided to do the bloomery because um, we just... We just um, had our uh, little beehive village mm -hmm. installed here, you know, and, and so it's right near the bloomery as well. So we've got a lot of um, flowers for our, our new pollinator friends. And we wanted to be able to sell flowers in the store as well at Patina Home and Garden here in Leapers Fork. I mean... I love putting fresh cut flowers in my house and I've always seen my mom do that same thing. Something about it is just so, it's just life-giving to me. So to be able to give people that, like that is grown, flowers that are grown locally, that you know that chemicals haven't been sprayed on them, that you're bringing into your home, that they are just this beautiful reminder of the beautiful world that's outside your door that you can sort of bring in and have a closer relationship in your home, I think is, is really wonderful. Okay, I need to ask a logistical question. Yes. We've got Layla, we've got Brooke, and we've got Steve. How are you doing all of this? <laughs> who is, who we, is like tending the garden? We, have a, we definitely have a team. You know, we okay, were. Okay, I'm like, so how a, did, a couple of things. We're very fortunate. We have a couple, Carrie and Dan, who actually loved the idea. And actually, we're talking about moving to Tennessee. Um, who they, they worked with us in Ohio and helped us um, at Patina Farm and actually when we were thinking about moving here, I was talking to Carrie and she said, that's so funny because um, both Dan and uh, she and Dan had loved Tennessee and wanted to move as well. So they help us. And then um, we have, uh, you know, we have um, uh, Stephen and Claire who uh, helped us with our beekeeping, who help us with our beekeeping. I mean, we have, we have other people who help us. Andrew Beattie, who has, has been a biodynamic, who's a biodynamic consultant. Um, so he's been w wonderful. So yes, um, we have other people, but we, we are also very hands-on. I mean, um, yes. Layla is happiest when her hands are and her feet are in dirt. <laughs> yeah. So I do most of the planting or most of the planting I do with are some other like guys who help me out as well. But it's, I think either, sometimes people think that we do it all ourselves or other times people will think like we do none of it ourselves. <laughs> and it's somewhere in the middle. Like we, well, the reason we do what we do is because we love what mm -hmm. we do. Like we're very much invested in it. And so the bloomery is like my baby. Like I'm out there every day doing something 
washing the plants, making sure everything looks okay. And so we're all very hands-on and they take care of the animals every morning. They're up at five o'clock and they go out there and they do it all themselves. And unless I'm out there like videoing them, it's just, it's just them and they, they love it. And it's, it's okay. really our favorite way to live. I'm like between the hives and the pottery studio, the shop, the bloomery, the vegetables, the animal, yeah. like this, whew, that's a long it, list. So it, yeah. it is a lot. It is a lot, but it's, um, it's great. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it takes up my, my goal is to have enough going on here that I don't have time to do anything else. It also <laughs> quiets the monkey mind. Yes. I have a very busy monkey mind. Me too. <laughs> It runs in the family. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Barrel full of monkeys. Oh, yeah. We were joking with Nick and Steve. I was like, I feel like you guys have 50 hours in a day, and somehow I have 24 just based on talking to you. Like, I, I don't have any clue how you get it all done. So Yeah, no, I, I don't. Sometimes I don't know well, either. Some days but... we don't get it all yeah. done. Yeah. Do, that's okay, too. That's okay, too. <laughs> so how do you plan? I, I How do you even plan your, your week of, like, work? You know, I don't have a set schedule. I mean, um, Rachel, who's uh, amazing and is the manager of the store, will put me on the schedule at the store a couple mm -hmm. days a week. And I try to pop in there at least, you know, that and maybe a little bit more than that. Um, but other than that, I really try to not have a schedule and just have other than taking care of the animals because mm -hmm. they need to be taken care of. But I try to kind of address things as they as they come mm -hmm. up, you know, and, and not have it so planned, you know, I think, I think Layla is probably the same way, yeah. you know, there are certain things that, you know, have to be taken care of, but you know, there's always like today, my schedule, um, was blown out of the water because we have these Guinea fowl, which we have Guinea fowl because they, uh, t they eat ticks and we live in Tennessee now. And so, uh, this morning, um, Steve yells across the pasture, we have baby Guinea fowl. <laughs> you know, we, I guess some of them had laid some eggs and there it was a mom and there was 12 guinea little baby keats which is what they're called are running you know behind her which and then i look up that mother baby like guinea fowl uh guinea hens do not make good mothers so i'm like okay so if we don't do something these little keats are gonna die so i'm like steve Get, you know, I called Layla. I'm like, we've got to get some, you know, looking. Thank goodness for Google, right? You <laughs> Google search what uh, what do you need to do to, you know, keep these little Keats alive? I didn't even know they were called Keats. Um, so, so you know, that was that was the the morning. Yeah. You know? So we you learned something new immediately. <laughs> Five a.m. <laughs> yes. yes, we had to keep these guys alive, and and I guess. You know, uh, I grew up in Los Angeles. You know, this is all new to me. And we certainly have learned a lot in the um, 10 years that we lived at Patina, on Patina Meadow, I mean, on Patina Farm, but we're still learning. That uh, learning curve allows us to, or forces us to not have too much of a schedule. How, uh, how did the, the shop come about? We haven't talked about that yet. Oh gosh, you know, there, the the shop was not, you know, Patina Home and Garden was not something that I thought I was going to be doing. Um, but I am one of those people that really, I do everything from my gut. Um, I never went to design school, so I design from my gut. I live from my gut. So um, when we were, um, we a couple months before we moved here, um, Steve's client, who's the reason we ended up here, he, he was doing his uh, Steve was doing his house, and that's why we discovered this place. Anyway, he is um, friends with uh, this man or this couple, Aubrey and Michelle Preston, who own uh, several properties in Leapers Fork, and is actually they're they're one of the main reasons that Leapers Fork is so charming. They're big on preserving all the old houses there and, and actually putting a lot of land in the land trust and all of that. So, but anyway, they owned this, um, a couple of the shops or the actual structures and, and, uh, they had asked Steve's client, um, if he knew of anybody that was interested in opening up a store that the, the people who were running this uh, garden or this home store were closing it down and they needed somebody to 
open a store and they wanted it to feel right, you know, for, for, um, Leaper's Fork and, and all that. And so Steve's client had recommended that they look into us, um, because we were moving here. So, um, Michelle and Aubrey, I guess, looked, uh, at all our, you know, our, the blogs and all of that and our website, and also started talking to some of the other shop owners in Leaper's Fork, um, who also happened to know about us, um, because we had been visiting for a while and we had talked about this uh this place as well on the blog and all that stuff so anyway so aubrey and michelle reached out to us and asked if we had any interest in opening a store and i uh, was i looked at steve and i was like i you know i don't know and we we kind of sat with it for a couple of days and kind of made the kind of pros and cons list and there was something about it that really was exciting. You know, it was the idea of um, we were moving here. One of the main reasons we were moving here is to become part of a community. And what better way to become part of a community than to open up a store smack dab in the middle of the town, which is only like this big, you know, it's tiny. So we knew it was a way to become part of the community. And it was also a way to, um, to give back to the community that, um, that, you know, already had given us so much just in the time that we had come to visit and all of that. So we decided that, uh, to do it, you know, and it was a way to also meet kind of like-minded people and be able to have a place to, to gather. I mean, when, when we kind of had this image of what Patina Home and Garden would be, we imagined it as a place to gather, a place to gather beautiful things for your home, but also a place to gather together and to learn and, um, and to just become part of a community. So that was what happened and and we're really happy we did it's a lot of work but we've met so many incredible people and leapers really is a very special place filled with really amazing creative um welcoming people that's amazing so how will the shed sort of dovetail off of and where did the pottery thing come from did y'all do 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 y'all throw pottery like was that something you already did so my mom and I started doing pottery together, actually, sort of, I think it was 2021, beginning of 2021. Uh, there's a pottery studio in Ojai that has classes and we went together the first time and I immediately was like, I don't know if this is for me because I don't like failure and this just seems like a whole lot of failure until I get to be anything good. But after going to like the second class, I was sort of hooked. And so we started doing it together and I kept doing the wheel. And after a while, um, my mom started to do more pinch pots and hand building. Um, and we both just loved the sort of mindfulness that pottery brings that you really have to, it really forces you to just be in the moment and focus on what you're doing. So we love that aspect. And of course the creative aspect of it was also really exciting and really cool to be able to make a beautiful vase out of what used to be mud is an awesome feeling. So we started doing that. And then I started teaching uh, hand building classes for kids at that pottery studio. And then we decided when we were moving here, we were talking to people and I, I would say like, oh yeah, I do pottery. And almost every time I say that, someone's like, will you teach me? Like, I would love to do pottery. We'd like, I think that's so cool. Like my kids would love to do pottery. Um, and so I was looking around here and in Leapers, we don't really have anything that is like a big pottery studio. So we thought, maybe that would be a really cool thing to bring. And there's a lot of kids who seem excited about it, a lot of adults who seem excited about it. So we decided to just go for it, not only to have a space for ourselves, but to have a space for all the people around us who really want to try it out. So our hope is that we'll have people come from all over the place and teach pottery classes. I'll do some classes, she'll do some classes, but we also want to be a place where artists can come and share their knowledge because we are not like the best potters in the world. And I don't, I think that's the beautiful We've, thing is like we all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses mm -hmm. in all aspects of life and in all mediums. So I think it's really, we're really excited about that aspect of it. Yeah, the store and um, Patina Meadow are all about learning together. You know, it's, we, none of us, 
you know, it's, we all have something to share, you know, we're all unique pieces of this crazy woven tapestry, you know? Um, And I love learning from other people and seeing, seeing things from different perspectives. I'm sensing a patina artist residency residency soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's the idea, you know, like Layla said, we did uh, put two apartments in the shed. One of them was going to be for her, but the other one really was to be able to have people come and stay and do classes for the community. So that was always in the plan. Yeah, I've been the like you need like an like a, um, an Airbnb or like a little a, a B&B, I guess maybe. <laughs> right, right, right. Where right. like I know. No, I I love that idea. I love that idea. But <laughs> one Lil more is, thing to your list, right? Well, Lil, you know, the problem is Lila is a multi-talented human being. I mean, she loves pottery, but she and she does great videos, but she is also an amazing baker. So I could totally imagine having a little, you know, bed and breakfast and she could make all the, you know, the, the breakfast muffins and and (laughs) cakes and all that stuff you know she makes some really delicious things Uh, but uh maybe that's in the future we'll see we'll see yes like that's i think that's the really exciting thing about this place is like patina farm there was only so much we could do because we had five acres we were in a neighborhood we were in a space that didn't really want too much growth but being here, like the opportunities that we have available are just, we're just at the beginning. We're mm-hmm. building something completely new, from, literally from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And that is a super exciting thing. It's like to know that it's not just going to be done at the end of this year. It's not even going to be done in five years. It'll continue to be this like beautiful place that will always be evolving and changing and growing with us and what we want to do so when we become interested in new things like we'll have new classes because we want people to come and sort of experience what we find interesting and our community will let us know what they find interesting we can have classes on that as well it'll be just this the space will become an amalgamation of all of our interests of the community of us it'll just be incredible. I'm so excited about it. I think I think there's something going on right now where people really, you know, the pandemic took away a lot of things that we thought it, it gave us time to think. It gave us time to think about what was important. Um, and I think a lot of us decided that what was most important was going back to a slower pace um, and to something more connected with nature. So and we found that there's a lot of people who are feeling that same exact way. So this is an opportunity for us to kind of find those people and for us all to learn from each other, you know, and, and cause we all can't do it. It's like you said, you know, there's no, not enough time in the day. I mean, Carrie, who I mentioned before has found this love of just making her own laundry detergents and um, cleaning supplies and, and, um, and uh, like flavored butters and she wants to make her own butter. She wants to churn butter. She wants to do all this stuff. And I think it's so cool. And, and then she can teach us how to do those things or at least give me the laundry detergent because I don't think I have time. But that we can all kind of learn from each other and maybe, you know, maybe- Trade wares. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I tell you, her laundry detergent is amazing <laughs> and there's nothing <laughs> bad in it. I'm just like, this is so cool. But, you know, so we're all kind of focusing on on, on these little segments and then we can all come together and learn from each other. It's so cool. That is very cool. I, the thing that is amazing to me is that you capture all of this so mm-hmm. beautifully on your Instagram. Like mm-hmm. it just translates so well because I think it could be very easy for all of this stuff to be going on in Leaper's Fork, but then, you know, not make it to out into the world for people to see and yeah i think that's experience. the constant the constant battle <laughs> yeah it is it is you know because there's that balance between documenting your life and living your life so that's where we yeah. are living in that little space between you know trying to make sure that we're living enough you know i put things up on on my velvet linen instagram but I think before I was doing it way more than I do now. Now, I, I mean, 
I'll do a lot more on my stories because it's more forgiving. It's not up all the time. You can just say, oh, hey guys, look what's going on today. You know, I'm so excited. Oh, the sweet peas are starting to bloom. This is so exciting. You know, and it doesn't have to be something where you, you know, kind of have to craft something because, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's there forever or whatever. So, so yeah, so I, I, I find that that's a little bit easier. I can take a few moments and say, Hey, here's this here. Look at this amazing, you know, the walk up our, um, up our hill with the dogs. And then we sit down, uh, Steve and I sit down and watch the dogs play. And sometimes I'll take a little video of them just kind of playing with the, you know, the, the grass and the mountains in the background. And it's just so beautiful that I want to share it with people, but it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be something that's like this huge thing. And then, you know, and then we share the huge things too, but those, those don't have to be like every single day, you know, so that we can kind of live it. So tell us, um, tell us about your, are you still doing design work and you also have a fourth book, right? Or fifth book? Well, we have a fourth book that came out in 2021, the um, Tina Holmes. So that was our fourth book, which is about uh, a little bit about Steve's history and and um, our and Patina Farm, a little bit about that, and then it, it went it goes into other homes that Steve and I have done together, and mm-hmm. um, some homes that Steve has done with other designers. So that was our last one, and then um, there will be probably one or two, probably two more books. There will be another one about Patina Meadow and all that goes on here. And I think that's probably going to fill a whole book. And then there's there'll be another book about some of our latest projects, which are pretty amazing. We just uh, shot um, with Lisa Romarin, who's an amazing uh, photographer. We just shot three of those um, recently. And then there's another big one that's uh, finishing um, probably in September. But so we're still doing design. I'm sure um, Nick and Steve, you know, talked about how Nick yes. is now starting to do design work. And we we have other designers that are working with us as well that are very talented. And um, and I do still see oversee some of the interior design stuff, but I do find myself wanting to kind of focus on other things as well. So, mm-hmm. um, I you know, I feel like the Incredibles mom, right? That would be Elastigirl, mm-hmm. you know, where you kind of pulled in all these different uh, directions. So, um, I still love design and I know that will it'll still be a part of my life um, forever. But I do think that um, that and even, you know, Patina Home and Garden has allowed me to have that kind of still, you know, I'm constantly designing in there. You know, we're constantly redoing the stores and 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 still connecting with designers because um, we do have a design program where we offer discounts to designers at our store and and um, you know are, are are trying to connect with design community in that respect as well and and with um, with people who just come into the store and kind of want help, just kind of you know looking at different pillows and throws and, you know, different things that are in the store and how to, how to um, incorporate them into their, into their home. So it's always going to be a part of my life. And, you know, it just kind of is evolving, you know, like everything, like everybody, we all wear many hats. (laughs) Well, it's really incredible what y'all have built, not only you and Steve, but now your whole family together. And thank you for sharing that with us. And thank thank you you so much. Yeah, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Liz, Taryn, any last questions before we do our design dilemma? Yes, I I do. So Nick was talking about how much he learned through osmosis about design. And Layla, it definitely seems like you have learned a lot from your time on Patina Farm. And so what, what would you say that you've learned the most through osmosis of having such talented parents? (laughs) well talented parents they are very talented um and that i think i grew up not understanding that because it's just my normal and then i went it was funny i went to college and i looked at a college dorm room and it was that moment i realized that design was not as important to everybody else as it was to my parents <laughs> and my dad went in and he moved the fridge and we moved the bed and we lifted it up and he just like went through like a tornado and like changed everything around um i think did nick say the same thing i bet you <laughs> he nick did yeah. <laughs> literally almost the same amazing thing. <laughs> he can't help himself but i think what they taught me when it comes to just in all aspects of life is to 
dream and to work hard and just go for it. And I think that that is one of the biggest things I've learned from them in the sense of like garden design. I would say the biggest thing I've learned from my mom and my dad when it comes to that is to have a limited plant palette. Um, I think a lot of the times we get super excited and we want to grow every type of plant and we want to do every type of thing. And I'm struggling with that right now. But if you're trying to design a garden that feels cohesive, that feels calming, tr picking a limited palette of plants, picking a few plants that you can do in abundance that really make a statement can be really powerful compared to just doing onesies, twosies sort of thing. And then when it comes to what I do with videos, I would say it would be the power of a beautiful vignette. So if you watch my videos, you'll notice that it's pretty zoomed in. It's pretty focused on a certain moment that's happening. And that's really intentional because I want to focus in on the small, the small moments, get close into the small things like the chicken pecking at the worm on the table or like things like that, that oftentimes get lost in the bigger sort of his awe of it all that I think that those tiny moments are really important. And in everything I do, the other thing that I would say is the big lesson they've taught me is to be intentional. So when you're dreaming big, one of the reasons that you can dream big and achieve things is because when you have a dream, you're intentionally making choices that work towards that dream. When you have an idea of what you want your garden to look like, you can be intentional and make those choices. When I have an idea of what I want my pots to look like, I throw in a way that that's how I want to achieve. And like everything has a purpose, everything has a reason. And that is, I would say another big lesson I've learned from them is the power of crafting things with an intention and not just, you know, going willy nilly. Sometimes I have a tendency to do that is like, I get so excited and I'm just like, plant it all, put it wherever, just get it in the ground. And it's like, no, if you take the time to really sit with it and think about what is it going to look like when it's done? How are the heights going to look? Will these colors work well together? I think that has been one of the biggest, one of the biggest lessons I've learned from my very talented parents. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing so much of your life in the farm. Um, it just, it allows anybody who would like to, you know, dive in and really learn so much. So thank you for all that work on that end, because it is wonderful to, to go through. It's thank a you. pleasure to share it, truly. Like, it's it's so lovely. People are so incredibly kind on Instagram. Like I know the internet can be an interesting place and there can be a lot of negativity, but from what we found, people have just been so sweet and so supportive. I mean, I did a video touring, a video tour of the bloomery and people were just so incredibly kind underneath it and being super supportive and telling me tips that they had for putting newspaper under their squash. It, when it starts to grow because it keeps the bugs out of it and keeps it from getting too soggy on the ground and just it feels like our community extends with like beyond the reaches of leaper's fork and that is really awesome that's like a really big positive of the internet that i think what we want to do by being on instagram is to sort of spread that joy and spread spread light and spread information that makes people happy and Spread joy. And Spread joy and information. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mom. Uh, she's my little joy and light spreader. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Thanks, mom. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do have a decorating dilemma that okay. we love Bring it on. to help us with. I I hope you've seen, you saw the question. Yes. 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 Okay, yes, yes, right. yes. So I'll read it real quick and then we'll just discuss and um, hopefully you can help our friend Allison with her questions. Sounds great. Sounds good. Okay. So Allison says, hi, we just finished a whole home renovation where we opened up our living, dining and kitchen area. We purchased a new rug and sectional in the photos. Um, and now I'm trying to figure out how to add more color and warmth to the space. I've ordered the white Ballard Cafe curtains for the windows on either side of the TV for privacy. But now I'm thinking we need different throw pillows for the living space and curtains in the dining area, but I'm overwhelmed with the options. For example, 
patterned or solid curtains and pillows, rod pockets or rings. What kind of curtain panels? Um, or I'm sorry, what kind of curtain rods? We've used blues and greens in other rooms in the house, so I'd like something to complement those colors. Also, our home was built in the 1940s, so we're trying to make modern slash traditional choices. Other details that may help, the sectional is a tweedy material with some black, gray, and white. The swivels are kind of a tweedy blue-gray. We may swap the swivels or recover them at some point, so I don't want to make any decisions based on that fabric. The rug is an Annie Selkie diamond fieldstone ivory. Regarding rugs in the kitchen, I'd like to find a vintage runner for the kitchen and love the look of a rug under the dining table. But with two toddlers, that is not an option for us currently. The walls are Sherwin Williams Drift of Mist, and the trimming cabinets are Benjamin Moore White Dove. Any advice on how to add color and warmth to this space? And any other suggestions would be so appreciated. Thanks for all of your work on the podcast. Allison, she has a beautiful space. It, yes, it, it really is pretty. She They've done a great job so far. Yeah, lots of natural <laughs> light, which we love. Yes, yes, yes. And lots of windows and to bring in all that natural light. Yes, I would agree. So if she wants to bring, if Allison, if you want to bring in more color, my opinion is yes, uh, stick with, um, I'm always of the pick colors that are outside. You know, I always am inspired by the outside. So the ideas of her using blues and greens um, would appeal to me as well. And to stick with those things as pillows and throws, um, you could do a combination, you know, you, if you could find one kind of pillow that has a pattern and then do take some of the colors out of that and use um, get some pillows in those solids as well. And and I would stick with probably the same with the solid throw too, because, you know, I don't like a ton of pattern, but just in just little simple ways. Um, I like the idea of the white. And I, I think she had mentioned she was, oh, no, that was Nick's. I already, uh, I read his too, um, about uh, balancing it. So we, we don't need to worry about that. Here. Um, in the, in the, <laughs> we should have given y'all the same one. That would have been funny to hear the answers. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Right, right. Um, but like in the kitchen, I love the um, idea of doing a runner and then has like thought of doing um, maybe even some either some uh, flowers like Layla was talking about doing some flowers in there or some um, some other greenery um, on the island. I love the natural uh color on the um, bar stools. And I'm wondering if, you know, even having like a little shade above the window in, in that, um, like a natural woven shade above the window would be kind of nice to add a little bit more of that texture in there. And even like a basket above the fridge for some extra storage and just to fill up that extra space up there would be rather nice. I know this sounds kind of funny, but um, we actually have a painting above our stove uh, and it's, it actually looks really great as a, a focal point, you know, and um, it could be even like a landscape or something that she could put above there just to add something, or she could even do a pot rack mm -hmm. above there too, if she wanted to add a little something over there too. The way uh, that hood is done, it like calls for a focal point like it needs yeah, a exactly like it could be either that or she could even paint it a color mm -hmm. you know to add like a to be a focal point there um but because it, it is it is a it's a big focal point and it would be nice to kind of do something whether it's a piece of artwork or again like the pot rack with some really pretty like copper pots or something like that on, on there it just seems like it'd be nice to kind of your eye is already drawn to it you know it'd be nice mm -hmm. to have something that would catch your eye there. I um, love the blues and greens that you always pick. They're always sort of these like muddy, earthy <laughs> shades. Right. That sounds gross, right? But you know, no, 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 they're no. like, they're, they're like, yeah, it's so, sort and, of and, like, like that Swedish blue that sort of looks yeah. like it's been worn out over the years and like an olivey green. And I think that could look really pretty in here. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And even in her kit, in her dining room, like to do some either like um, placemats in those colors and you could do because, you know, there's not much going on in anybody's living in anybody's dining room. So like you could do pattern on the uh, on the placemats or you could do on the two end chairs, you know, maybe you do a couple slip covers uh, that have some color in them. 
you know, to add some add some softness and and it could even go those could go down to the floor so maybe um it adds a little bit more softness because i know she can't right now do any sort of um, rug in there so that might be nice in there the other thing that might be nice although i know she's got kids so um is to do some more like a like a, a tree in there but it could be even be you know they have so many trees that are um like not real the, the faux trees mm -hmm. that she could do in that corner where the um, where her extra chair is right now could be really pretty to bring some greenery into that mm -hmm. space. That, yeah, those, lots, those touches lots of, of color and bring some height into it. I'd love yes. to see her get some artwork that just yes. smaller pieces that yeah. I noticed yes. that you have you have a lot of pieces that are from local artists in your kitchen. Yes, yes, yeah, such a great thing. Uh, Yes, again, that idea of bringing that kind of outdoors inside. You know, when we were in Ojai, we did the same thing and our colors were different because it was California. So the colors here are, there's a lot more green here. And um, so that's why the natural, the, the local artwork really works well in our space. Um, and, and Allison could definitely do the same thing in her place. It'd be great. What about, um, okay, she did ask specifically about, um, okay, so you said maybe one pattern pillow and then like pull some solid colors out of that to complement it. Yeah, but so I always do like, like in the summer, she could just pull some like linen pillows, you know, some like some blue or green um, linen pillows. And then in the winter, when it gets kind of cooler, they could be more kind of either mohairs or velvets or things like that. That's what's so great about pillows. You know, you can mm -hmm. change up the whole look of your place with pillows and throws, you know? So maybe in the in the summer, there's she could also do some light linen throws. And then in the um, winter, some, you know, some alpaca or some, you know, wool or something like that that's more cozy to wrap up in. She asked like for, she said she felt like she might need some curtains in the dining room, but she asked patterned or solid. What would you do if it were you? Would you put them uh, there and what would they look like? So she could, and she could have them in a, if she were, I don't, I'm not big on patterns in, in big moves like that because it's a commitment. Uh, you know, you're not going to be redoing your draperies all the time so i would do something that that's the same like uh, didn't she talk about using um white draperies in the other part of the room yes she had some white cafe panels or uh curtains on either side of the television sort of on the bottom half of those um oh okay because there's a window seat okay got it so she might want to do the same white in there and um and that way it would connect to that room or if she did do a color then i would do just a one color either maybe the green or the or a pale blue or something like that and then that way they'll last longer if you do a pattern again then you're going to have to see what how it goes with every single thing in that room it's it's just it's a bigger statement and it's a bigger commitment and you want those bigger pieces to last longer that's why i tend to go with them either being the white or a neutral color um, that way it'll still provide the softness but it will go with everything else that you do in the room and what about the rod pocket versus rings so I'm not a big pocket person. I'm more of a ring gal, especially if she ever thinks she's going to close them. Um, yeah. Rod if, pockets if just don't really work. No, you, unless they're stationary and they're really there just to provide softness, then I would go with rings. And then I usually like I see that she has a lot of dark metals, like even the, the dining room chandelier is a dark metal. So it'd be nice to match it. You know, mm -hmm. I would probably do like a um, an iron or a bronze okay, to kind of match the colors in there. Okay. Well, I just wanted to go through and make sure we were answering all of her questions and ticking all the boxes. So I think, I think we got Can it. Can I ask a design question that goes with this? <laughs> <laughs> would you have the curtains go past the end of the window or would the curtains stop at where the window stops? Uh, you mean the length? Yes. The length always goes down to the floor. Okay. They that go down to the floor. And, <laughs> um, and um, the width, um, I don't like to, um, you know, it has to go, you want it um, to not, uh, 
cover a lot of the glass because you don't want to cover a lot of the natural light coming mm -hmm. in. So once you, yes. when they're open, you don't want them to, to be um, covering a lot of the glass. Yeah, so the outermost bracket of your curtain panel should be far enough past the molding to where when you pull the curtain back, it's in front Statue of the wall, room. not in front of the window. Yes, exactly, exactly. How do you, you articulate to... that idea? It's hard to <laughs> Yes, yes, no, you need to provide stacking room. Yes. That's, yes. There, there you go. go. No. <laughs> Stacking room. I like that. We've never, we've never, um, we've never talked about that before. Yes. Okay. Well, I think, I think we've covered it all. I, I loved all of your ideas, the placemats, the plant, maybe some curtains, the pillows. Love it. And then, oh yes, the art over the, the oven. That'll look, that'll look really great. Or like, what about even a platter? I mean, like some sort of hand yes. platter or something. Who knows? Yes, something. yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely something. You know, she she might even have something that's meaningful to her family or something. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's it it really does tend to be a huge focal point. You mm -hmm. know, so uh, yeah. it's a good place to put something pretty. Oh my gosh! Well, Brooke and Layla, thank you so much. This was thank and we okay. We went over time with Steve and Nick too, so we could just we could talk all day. <laughs> we're, we're just probably we're chatterboxes. Exactly. No. Exactly. Yeah, very not. interesting. It was Lots wonderful. of questions to ask mm -hmm. you. Well, it was it was great to see you all again. It was so good yes, to see you. Next time you're in Atlanta, please give us a call and we can we can hang out and continue and continue this conversation. Yes, yes. Really love it. Nice yeah. to meet you guys. It's when wonderful. you open that uh, that Patina Meadow B and B, give us a call. <laughs> oh, we You're welcome anytime. Welcome anytime. And and if you want to get all muddy with us, um, you can either uh, take a, a pottery class here or just uh, yeah, join yes. Layla and help the help feed the animals. Yeah, oh, that too. Yes, awesome. yes, yes. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy, happy decorating. decorating.